Hey, welcome to Go and Be the Church podcast. We talk about what Scripture says the church should look like, how we are to care for the broken, lift up the lost, and lose our lives for the gospel. We know this will change your life and leadership, relationships, and purpose, which is impacted by how we go and be the church. Well, we're glad you could join us for another episode of Go and Be the Church podcast. I'm sitting here with uh, two of my podcast hosts, Mark Douglas and Adam Basquette. But I kind of want to talk about somewhat of my journey, uh, Pastor Mark's journey, Adam's journey, and kind of interweave this with what God's will looks like because there's been times that I've wondered, God, what do you want for my life? There's been times that I thought, God, are you are you working? How am I supposed to interpret the things you're doing? And so, you know, I can go back all the way to college. I was at Carson Newman College. And at this time, this college was a little bit from moderate to left-leaning. You know, I even took a theological research class where they basically said, hey, the first five books of the Bible is just a good story, and Moses didn't really write that. But, you know, of course, God, in his infinite wisdom, when Jesus got to this earth, he uh, would say things you have heard, it was said, but now I say to you, and he was talking about the writings of Moses. Uh, he even mentioned Moses and the things that he said. You know, so we have those kind of things Or I know that school, they would question, hey, did Jonah really get swallowed by a big fish? And then Jesus gets on the scene and he says, hey, one who is greater than Jonah is here. Uh, you know, there's constantly things like that, that the word of God is our pointer to what truth is. And so God's word, you know, I can look back and even remember them saying, well, was Abraham a historical person? And God said, you know, Jesus is on the scene when he gets here in the New Testament. He says, before Abraham was, I am. So I want to start off with the Word of God, continue in the Word of God, and finish with the Word of God here in God's will. But when I was in that school, Carson Newman, I can remember them talking about God's uh, perfect will, permissible will, and ultimate will. Okay, so I know, Dad, you probably heard, you know, when I say Dad, it's Pastor Mark. Uh, some of y'all don't know that. Uh, yes, I'm claiming him right now. And, you know, Adam, here's here's kind of how I was taught in college. I, I don't think it's far off. Maybe there's some nuances. But let's take the garden, okay? Adam and Eve in the garden. God's will for them. He's walking in the cool day. He gives them things to live by. Basically, there's one rule. One rule, which really the rule was meant to, for them to follow him and worship God. And that one rule was, hey, I've given you all this. I've given you all these places for you to take what I made, help it thrive, to enjoy uh, the garden, all the different fruits. But there's one tree with one bit of fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, don't take from it. Now, I've heard some theologians say, hey, in time, God will let them take from it. In time, you let them take from the tree of life. But God's perfect will, I believe, for that moment was, if you abstain from this, you walk with me, you will flourish, you will thrive. Uh, you, you will have understanding of me and what I have for you in, in incredible ways. But God's permissible will, because he doesn't treat us like robots, he doesn't make it so that we have to love him or we have to obey. His permissible will was that he would allow Adam and Eve the ability to actually say, I will choose to take from that fruit instead of choosing God. Because sin, in its essence, is when we choose our own way and not God's way. 
So you have God's perfect will. What he, he, he said, hey, here's what I want for your life. Here's what you could have. And then that kind of segues into God's ultimate will, which is him being able to see the end from the beginning, knowing that in light of our sin and light of our disobedience, he would send his son, Jesus Christ. And so some things in his ultimate will, I look at that are um, part of him decreeing. For instance, I would say, and we talked about this somewhat in the last podcast, God's decreed that for people to know the living God and follow Jesus Christ in complete surrender, you know, to repent and believe and follow him, that is the only way to actually spend eternity with him in heaven. So we have that ultimate will, like to have that, we know it. We have ultimate will that he will defeat sin, Satan, and death, and that we who know him will reign with him as vice regents, you know, kings and queens of the future new heavens, new earth. He's the ultimate um, king. But we will once again, like the garden, have that ability, he'll say, take let what I have thrive and once again flourish. And I love those two words, flourish and thrive, because that's really Alice Shalom. Shalom means perfect peace, what God actually wants for us. So this is a lot of information I'm giving you right off the bat, but hear this. We got perfect will, permissible will, ultimate will. But in light of all that, if you think about God's word, you know, Pastor Mark, if I was to ask you this, and just, just kind of humor me here for a moment. If there is a child who is about to be hit by a car, and Adam, you can weigh in on this too, because I think this is interesting. Do you really have to stop and say, God, I need to pray about what I need to do in this moment? So there's a child, a car coming. It's going to be completely ran over. Done. Does anybody here in this room, do we need to stop and pray, hey, what should I do in this moment? I mean, why not? Why would I not stop and pray? Why would I not just... What does God's word even say about going to those who are weak and vulnerable? I mean... Well, obviously, there are some things that, let's just say we need a little common sense right. in our understanding of Scripture sometimes. And uh, I've always been intrigued by people who say, well, I need to pray before I make a decision to do that or not. I can remember exactly. early, early in my ministry, we were talking about the need to witness. Hmm. And someone... Uh, one of the folks attending the church told me after church when I had brought a message about uh, about this subject of witnessing. He said, "You know, I, I just I just don't feel led to witness." And I thought interesting that like they were claiming God's will was saying for them God's will was not leading them to witness, so they were excused from it. But yet Jesus has plainly told us. You know, the Great Commission, that we're to go in all the world and preach, teach, witness, tell people about Jesus. And and so we have these these um, these teachings of Christ that are that are commandments where we're commanded to do something. So Yeah, we're not left guessing, are we? That's right. And can that even be I guess you could call that permissive will because you can choose whether you're going to do it or not. So God allows us you know, like it's in his will, but he's giving us right. allowance. But, you know, there are some there are some things that we could call absolutes. Yeah, the absolute will of God. For instance, he says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. That's an absolute will of God. You are going to die, no matter what you do. You're not going to put that off. 
uh, for, for eternity. Death is coming and judgment's coming. Yeah, I once and, knew a 93-year-old man. I was uh, with a former pastor uh, visiting this 93-year-old man. And, and the guy said, he's 93, he's a Christian. He said, I, I don't want to die. And I remember this other pastor looked at him, you know, wise words. I actually felt like he said, he goes, he goes, brother, you can't live forever. <laughs> you know, 93 years old. And exactly what you're saying, there's a certain expectation, if that's true, that God says it's appointed man once a certain time to die in the face of judgment. There should be a certain way we live then. So we can almost add to the three wills that you talked about. Absolute will of God. And uh, yeah, yeah. And, and so there is an absolute will of God that we can't escape. And uh, even though some of these are, you know, for our own life, left up to our choosing, will we follow the will of God or not? Some of them eventually become absolutes. We're, they're going to catch up with us. And uh, we're going to be forced into those situations. And you can even take the scripture, uh, Ananias, the sapphire, yeah. And I think it's it's like Acts nine. Yeah, they're there. And so they got out of the will of God selfishly, and it caught up with them. So the ultimate will of God, it must have been ultimate because it, because it cost them their lives right. by being disobedient. So yeah, even Peter knew that they were lying. Well, how he knew? How did he know those things? He said, "You've lied to the Holy Spirit. You've lied to God." Which, which, by the way, uh, on the Trinity, uh, that, that is right there. It's happening in that moment because Peter is saying the Holy Spirit is the same as God. I mean, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. You lied to God. Mm -hmm. He doesn't differentiate. It, you know, and we'll get into some of that with. But if we bring this back down a notch, yeah. Josh, and bring it back down to God's will for our life and just daily living, then we get back into that that area of permissive will. How are we going to be obedient to God? Yeah, I think sometimes we make it more than what it is, right? I yeah. mean, does God's will, for instance, Adam, have you ever had a moment in your life when you're eating Cheerios and God spells out his will for your life while you're eating Cheerios? No. no. I mean, would you expect him to do that? No, I think uh, that point brings up, you know, everybody wants a, a directional sign from God mm. of what, what to do in life. But ultimately, God just wants you to live for him and follow his message that he's laid out in front of you. Right. And, and the Holy Spirit will convict you what you need to do. He's not going to, like you said, he's not going to spell out in Cheerios that's, you know, go be a missionary in Africa. And all yeah. of a sudden you're like, oh, there it is. You yeah, know? that's or right. You're, you're, you're not going to have a dream of God talking to you saying, hey, this is what you need to go play the lotto at this store at this time and get this ticket and you're going to win a million dollars. And it's like, oh, with God's will, I want a million dollars. That's not how it works. <laughs> it's kind of like I was reading uh, about some kind of funny stories and what people thought of God's will. And they said, you know, some people think it's someone who would be running down the street and they fall on a banana peel and then they land on a map of India. They say, Oh, now I know I'm supposed to that clear leading. I understand now I'm supposed to go to India. Well, it doesn't, you know, the vision and your calling, you know, for instance, we think, Oh, am I supposed to hear a voice from heaven and it's saying you are to go to Chile and now be a missionary to the Chileans. No, those are not normal occurrences. The thing that we do know, though, God calls all of us to go and make disciples. There's, I mean, Matthew 28, Jesus says, hey, all authority under heaven and earth has been given to me. So guess what? When I say some words, you should probably listen to them. It's, it's not, hey, go and do what's in just your heart of hearts. God has already said, here's my will for you. Go make disciples. 
baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teach and reserve all I commanded. And he says, I'm with you always. It, it shouldn't be lost on us completely. Interesting. It seems like people are constantly searching for the will of God for their life. And they and, and some seem to be troubled in how to find it. I, I, I've heard of people who will occasionally say, well, I don't know what the will of God is. So I'm just going to open my Bible and where if my finger falls, I'll read that verse and let it speak to me. Yeah, we call that the yearbook method. The yearbook method. I, I actually heard someone talk about this one time, and they said that a guy flipped open the Bible, and he came to the passage where Judas went out and hung himself. And he read, uh, and he went out and hung himself. And then he said, well, that's not good. So he flipped another one and said, whatever you do, do quickly. Oh, gosh. And, and oh, so uh, he was in trouble with, uh, with, with trying to find the will of God in that way. But I believe that the will of God comes to us in a, in a consistent daily relationship with Christ. We read his word, we pray, we seek him out. And the Bible gives us these words, let the peace of God rule in your heart. And that word rule comes from the same word that we kind of get our word umpire from. Mm -hmm. How umpire makes the call at a game. And so he rules, okay, strike, ball, uh, out, safe. You know, the umpire calling those rules, let the peace of God rule in your heart. And so sometimes in seeking the will of God, when we begin to have that peace that passes all understanding and we say, you know, even though this makes sense, this gives me peace. I'm at peace with this. Let that peace that came from God, sometimes unexplainable, be what rules you and guides you in life. And I think so. Here's the hard thing. And this is what I find to be sometimes the, the bitter pill, so to speak, with God's will. Now, me and you have talked about this before, Dad, with prayer. Be careful what you pray for. Almost, mm -hmm. uh, we talked about God's will in light of. So Paul the apostle. So when he saw, he sees um, Jesus. You know, and Jesus pierced him on the road to Damascus. He's he's blinded. Um, it, it begins that journey of him becoming who we know as the apostle Paul. And it, it's interesting. Jesus looks at him and says, "I will show you how much you have to suffer for my namesake." says it to Paul. Now, Jesus says certain things in God's word. You know, he says, if you follow me, I was persecuted. Don't think that you won't be persecuted. And here's what I'm getting to. This is the scary thing. A lot of people go through this. I'm not athletes who say, I'm scared. If I go into God's will, he's going, let my legs get broken. Make it so I can't play this sport anymore. So I'll have some kind of testimony. Because they hear those kind of things. I'm not saying that's out of his will. It could happen. But, you know, here's... What I know is that God could call us to some very hard things. But what I've learned, you know, a lot of people say this, and, and this, tell me if you've ever heard this phrase, people say the safest place to be is at the center of God's will. Now, there's a yes and no to kind of this phrase, but here's why. C.S. Lewis wrote about Aslan the Lion in Chronicles of Narnia. And when he wrote about this, he said, there's a point whenever they come across Aslan, the scene of the little kids that are in a different land, and they want to get a drink of water. But the lion is there, Aslan, who is portrayed as God, and uh, really portrayed as Jesus Christ. He dies um, in it for our sins, basically how C.S. Lewis depicts it. But hear this. He's at the river, and they say they want to take a drink. They're thirsty. He says, um, basically, you can come to the water. And Aslan says to them, 
after they ask, but um, is it safe? And Aslan says, I cannot promise you that. I've swallowed whole kingdoms. I've swallowed kings. I've eaten up whole cities and realms. Basically what Aslan, who's portrayed as Jesus, it was saying, um, I, I am not safe, but I am good. And so they could come close to the water, not because, because believe it or not, we want a king who is not safe in every moment, who knows when to enact what needs to be enacted. But we do want one who is good. As part of this whole question of God's will, do I trust in his goodness? Because it, it, they're really, when we went to Uganda, Africa, and I took my whole family, I, I didn't even think for a moment it was safe. I knew that I trusted in a God who was good. You were in good hands. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe, you know, touch on that for a little bit. I know we talked extensively before on prayer, on God's will. And there is a part of us that we can hesitate because we might say, you know, God, what kind of sacrifice might you demand of me? And how do we, because um, I treasure a lot of things in this life, right? But how do I make it so that if I understand the true treasure, then I can actually treasure up God's will even more so? Lee, I want to ask Adam a question for a moment. So, Adam, you were um, you were in the Navy. Right. And you were stationed on a ship. Uh, what, what kind of ship was it? It was an amphibious assault ship. Amphibious so almost assault. like an aircraft carrier, but with more helicopters than Oh, I thought, I thought that was a sea dude. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so you guys are out in, I mean, literally in the middle of the ocean. The, the closest piece of land could be hundreds, maybe thousands right. of miles away. And the, the ocean is so vast, that even though that ship is huge, I mean, you see that ship in, inside a dock, and it's huge, but out of the middle of the ocean, it's like a little speck out there. And I think sometimes you're almost like a sitting duck. I mean, I mean if we were at war, Right. Uh, they could lob missiles in at you from miles away. Uh, aircraft could come in and just do I mean, we've seen these battle scenes. So what made you, what gave you a sense of, and, and I know this is a little more worldly, but what was it that gave you a sense of safety on that ship? I mean, other than the United States Navy vessels having the most, you know, sophisticated defense systems in the world, other than that, at a more, you know, practical picture here you know out there you, you're in god's hands out there i mean ultimately yeah. ultimately whatever happens is is what god wants to happen so i mean yeah of course you lean on your brother next to you right if you, you lean on that that anti-aircraft missile defense system might actually work if it has to but ultimately you know god's looking out for you out there i mean there's nobody else out there but him looking out for you i mean i and that kind of goes back to are you safe out there? By all means, no, you're not safe out there. You're a United States naval vessel sitting off the coast of Yemen. You're not safe, but you're in good hands. You know, exactly. You're more than the good hands of what man itself created in defense systems. You're, you're being looked out for above. I mean, and another practical, worldly, you know, many people that listen to this might have seen the, the movie Lone Survivor, where the four Navy SEALs, Operation Red Wing, are in Afghanistan, and three of the four died. You know, the, the leader of that crew, I guess you could say, was Michael Murphy, and they're in a mountain in Afghanistan going after one of the highest ranked wanted terrorists in the world. Are they safe? Absolutely not. They're in one probably the most dangerous situation you could ever put yourself in, but they knew they were in good hands. And ultimately, 
Mike Murphy sacrifices himself to save the one team member that did get saved, and he knew that that was going to lead to death. So was he at the center of God's will there for him to be in the situation? Probably, and that, Josh, that what you said, being at the center doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be safe by right, all means. Right. He was at the center of it there doing what God wanted him to do, and he ultimately died. But he was so, in good uh, hands. Josh, I'll, I'll say this. I appreciate what Adam just said because he mentioned the most sophisticated ships built on the planet long we have. And so we, we can put somewhat of our uh, stock stock in that, yeah. but more so in, in God. And you think about the fact that God, if you want to use the word most sophisticated, there is nothing above God. God God knows the in and out, the back and forth, the coming and going. He, he knows the height, the depth, the breadth, the width. He knows everything there is to know about us and what's going yeah, on in our lives. Yeah, he knows how many heartbeats I have He knows how many heartbeats. Now, yeah. now, I'll tell you, uh, and I won't get too far into this, but I'll just say for our listeners, a few years ago, my daughter-in-law and two grandchildren were killed in a car accident. That, that was uh, Josh's uh, sister-in-law and his nieces. And it, it was it was horrific, and it, it was hard to deal with. And uh, their car left the road and went under the water. And I I was so, and even to this day, it is a bothersome thing to think that that happened. But I used to think they were so alone, those little girls, five and three years old, in that car under that water, as that water filled that car up. But I found comfort knowing that God was with them. That no matter where we are, and, and God is with us. Even in those horrific moments when our life may leave this body and go on to be with Jesus. And if we, if, if we can come to the place where we know that the will of God will never lead us, where the love of God can't keep us, that's just a little saying that we've probably all heard along the way. And so God is never going to leave us or forsake us. He's never going to put on us more than we can bear. So if we can have faith in the will of God, we are more likely to find the will of God. Because if we build up borders, walls of how far we can go with God, then we may never go as far as God can take us. And, you know, we have assurances in Scripture of God already showing that His will is already being enacted. So here's what I mean by that. God has said that one day I'm coming back to judge the earth. Yes. All mankind. It's, and it's going to be a fiery judgment. Second Peter 3.10 says that. But then it says that the Lord is not slow to keep His promises. He's coming back. He sees the evil upon the planet. He sees those who do not follow, who turn from him, who want their own kingdom. We've committed high treason against the God of the universe. Yeah, he says, I'm not slow to keep my promise. I'm coming back. In other words, why hasn't God invaded the world yet? Well, he goes on to say, though, in that very same place in Scripture, but I do not wish that any should perish, but all to come to repentance. So we actually see his will happening in that in that very verse because why is god not returned yet because there's still time for others to come to know the living god that's right why do we preach the gospel because the first thing about god's will is this that we know he desires that people should be saved 
And if that's God's ultimate will, then that should be our ultimate will. How do I know that's his ultimate will? Because he came to this earth and he died on the cross. Why? So that bad men and women could be reconciled to a holy God. And his his judgment, you know, Paul even tells us, 1 Timothy chapter 2, 3 through 4, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So one of the things that we want to instill in everyone listening to this podcast about God's will, if he desires all to be saved, and all means all, if he's working out his will in a way that he's saying, yes, there is sin upon this planet, I'm going to take care of it. And when we say, Lord, because I can tell you after um, the girls died and the wreck you're talking about, I thought, God, just let him come back. I don't see things with the eyes that God sees things with. And God sees, he looks through all of time and he says, there are some Josh who have not come to know me. And so I hope on that day when I'm in heaven, I can see God's will, his ultimate will come to pass in such a way that I say that his goodness, his righteousness was on full display because there's those that would be in heaven that never would have been if I got my way. And, that's one of the things about God's will and trusting it. If I got my way, my will, it's so short-sighted. It's, it doesn't align with God's word like it should. But God's word and what he wants, that's where I, I should be led. That's where real love's at. In my own strength, in my own will, that's not real love. But God's is. So I'm curious, Adam, um, if you could look back, let's say, three years ago, do you, could you have seen yourself where you are right now, doing what you're doing in a church, uh, sitting here at a podcast? Did, did you see what God had in store for you yet at that time? Absolutely not. Yeah. And I think that when you look at things like that, people want it spelled out for them, God's will. Or, you know, they might ask somebody, especially one of you two, a preacher, I think this was a sign from God. Is this a sign from God? I, I believe that. If you get, you know, if it's God's will, like you 100% know in your mind, this is what you're being told to do, what you're being called to do. There's no questioning to it. God's not going to let you question his will if that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And you look, you know, five years from now, we may, all three of us may be somewhere else. And we right. can't picture that now. But when you look back in time, you think, man, there's no other answer to that than that was God's will. So to some degree, we're dealing with God's will in the here and now this right. moment it's working at every every second yeah and we may not see it and then we're prepared we're ready that wherever god's will takes us tomorrow right we may not see it yet but, but we've got to have that right. heart willing to go karen um my wife josh's mom um karen douglas right, karen douglas. Douglas. Yeah, right. Yeah, i never just call her karen. i never just call her karen call her karen douglas so karen douglas and i back early in the beginning years of ministry Sometimes I would have a church make contact with me and say, hey, would you be interested in coming here and being a pastor? I'd say, I don't know. Let me pray. Really what I was praying is, what's God's will? And I would say, Karen, let's pray about this together, and let's see where we together believe God is leading. And I, I recall one time we were a little bit, we were struggling what to do on a call to a church. And... Karen said, you know, Mark, I'm not sure that God is always going to say, I want you to go there. Sometimes I think maybe we say, God, this is this 
this opportunities come available, um, I'm going to walk through this door and I'm going to serve you with all of my might. And so the will of God may have been just that, here's an opportunity. If you want to go through it, I'm going to allow it. That's that permissible will of God. And so that, that I'm going to permit this, I'm going to allow this to happen if you if you want to walk through this door. And because he could have sent you several other places. That's I mean, right. It wasn't. That, that's right. Sometimes to permit what God permits is not that we choose not to, but that we choose to go somewhere that maybe he hasn't said, absolutely, this is where you're going. This is what I want right. you to but do. But I'll use you here. But I'll use you here. Yeah. And and so we take that opportunity. We have a desire. I had a guy tell me when I was young, I was a very young kid and I was struggling. I was a teenage boy. I was trying to, I was struggling with the call, what I thought God was calling me to do to be a pastor. And I went to this man, he'd been a Sunday school teacher of mine years ago, and, and, and his name was Terry. And I said, Terry, I think God may be calling me to preach. But I said, I just don't know, but I keep struggling with it. And he said this, Mark, who put that desire in your heart? Is that your desire? Is that Satan's desire? Is that God's desire placed in your heart? Where did it come from? Is it good? Is it godly? Is it holy? And I walked away from that thinking, wow, that's, those are good words. Right, because to put that in your heart, it certainly didn't come from you or saying because God's, well, you know, well, the greatest thing to know. Right. I didn't want to be a pastor. I mean, the yeah. greatest thing to know in this world is God. So for God to put in anybody's heart, hey, make it so people can know me. Make it so you will know me better. Yeah. It's to worship him. For instance, John MacArthur, he says this about God's will. This is interesting. He says, you say you do not know what God's will is. I'll tell you what it is. Above all, it is that you know Christ. And then that your neighbors hear about Christ. That is his will. So often we sit around twiddling our thumbs, dreaming about God's will in some distant future. We are not even willing to stand up on our own two feet, walk down the street, and do God's will right now. I mean, it's we make it so complex, and yet here it is before us. God is saying, go. And I would hate to get to heaven one day and God just say, I gave you the plan. I gave you the steps. Why did you sit on your hands for so long? I think about this. Uh, and Adam, you're, you're a young guy with a a lot younger than me. So I'm at one end of life spectrum. You're at the beginning of the life spectrum. And this is, so you might want to comment on this. I look back, you look forward. You might want to comment from looking forward. But I think sometimes, what will I do when I get to the end of life and I stand before God? And he says, let me show you what you could have done. I, I hope he doesn't show me that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Right. Uh, so, let me show you what you could have done because I think about the times. Isn't heaven so, supposed to be joyful, God? Yeah, well, let's, that, yeah let's five <laughs> minutes before heaven. <laughs> okay, this is the last time we do this, but uh, but I think sometimes about those 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 things that have derailed me, that have pulled me off track, and I, I can't go back and fix that. So. I'm, I'm a guy at this end of the spectrum saying I wish that I had had more of a kingdom vision of the will, the will of God, but I can't go back and do that. But, Adam, you're looking forward 
at, at, in your early 20s. Josh, you're just in your 30s. You're both young men who have so much ahead of you not to get derailed, not to get pulled aside, not to become satisfied with the good rather than the best. How are you going to do that? How are you going to follow that will of God? Yeah, so some of the things that we're talking about, you know, practically speaking, right, looking ahead and looking back somewhat, a lot of people ask me things like, God, you know, would you reveal to me who I am to marry? And that was a question at one point in my life, right? Now I am married, I have two kids. I see how God's worked in the midst of that, seen as goodwill. Now, what we talked about, there's there's lots of ways I could have gone with that. I believe that God would have worked, you know, because he works all things together for good for those who love him, called according to his purposes. But at the same time, you know, this, this struggle sometimes with God's will in our heart and our mind, it, why doesn't he show me what job I should take, what business deal I should enter into, whether I ought to move into a, another place or how do I handle a specific problem. But one of the things that we're talking about right now, God's will and how you're talking about looking forward to things, here's what I know that he's revealed in his, from his will. If I'm saved and I know the living God, now what I'm called to do is walk in the Spirit. You know, my whole life to be tethered closer to God, because all of us, if we're saved, that means we have the Holy Spirit in us, and we're walking around with the power that resurrected Jesus Christ from the grave is in us. So what does that mean for our lives, for decisions we make, for this spirit-filled life? Because when people ask me, hey, who should I marry? What should I do for my job? What should I do in this area? The spirit-filled life, and this is interesting. Why did Peter think he could get out of the boat and walk on the water? I mean, this is, he, he didn't think, oh, there's water, I'm, I can't do that. He didn't think, oh, there's, he just saw Jesus. Now, it wasn't until he realized the water and he lost focus of Jesus that he faltered. It wasn't until he was 100 feet from Jesus when he denied Jesus that that actually happened. When he was close to Jesus, right, he cuts off Malchus's ear. I mean, they're about to take Jesus away. His presence changes us. His presence fuels that we do things in accordance, actually, to his will that we never thought we could or would or things that we didn't even dream or hope. Now, this is the point. In Scripture, when Jesus says, I'm sending a helper, this is interesting. The Greek word for that, if it was heteros, which it's not, it would mean that the Spirit is different and not like me. But because it's alos, when Jesus says, I'm sending the comforter, the Spirit, he's saying it's different, but it is just like me. And so we walk around with the presence of Jesus with us at all times. Mm, good words. So what does that mean for God's will in our lives? It means, are you walking a spirit-filled life out? Because here's the thing. How many Christians, they think they do not have the Holy Spirit, but they, they do. When we come to Christ, you're sealed with the Spirit, and he's saying, you're walking around my presence right now. And I don't want you to miss this because how many times have we sat in church and heard sincere people sometimes say, you know, God, send your spirit. And, I, and look, there can be greater manifestations, right? We all have it in us. But what I'm saying here is God is actually calling us to walk in that presence, to understand, know my word, feel my presence. That's, that's the key. 
And mm-hmm. I, I want to say for the rest of my life, future looking, I can see the places I messed up when I didn't heed his word, know his word, let the spirit filled life, um, walk in accordance with that. The, the times that I messed up most is when I said, hey, Josh is going to be king. Times I got it right was when Jesus was king. And so um, here's here's the truth. I was, I was reading this practically speaking, so I want to be practical here. How can you begin walking in the spirit-filled life, walking in God's will? And Adam, you can share this with me because here, here you are. You're, you're saying, hey, Josh, I want to learn more about Scripture. I remember when you came to my office and you said, Josh, when I dive into something, I want to be fully, I want to be all in. And so when you did that, all I could think about is, and I was reading this today, John MacArthur, and I mentioned him because he has his book called God's Will, and it's been practical, it's very short. So he says this, he goes, I started reading through the book of 1 John, five chapters. He read every day for 30 days. Then he moved to the book of John, he read seven chapters. And so when there's something that has more than five chapters, you limit this to seven chapters. We read seven chapters every day for 30 days. He said at some point he finished the New Testament and he had read it 30 times. Now let me ask you something, Adam. Anything that you do 30 times, you think you'd be pretty good at it? Right. And you're you're telling me, hey, Josh, I want to know God. I want to know everything about him. Why do you want to know everything about him? If you're not all in, you're all out. If you're not giving 100%, what's the point of giving anything, you know? So if you're not all into it and you, you know, and you want to go on to teach somebody else, and if you don't, if you yourself aren't giving it your all, how are you going to tell somebody else to give their all? Um, And, you know, backtrack a little bit, the, where you said, God is everywhere. The spirits within us already, yeah. you know, and uh, I think, you know, in a sense, everything that happens, everything you do, God's calling you to do that. So I don't know, you know, right? I, mean, I don't know. I don't know what other he's people. all sufficient, in right? Your life. Yeah. So I don't know what other people's opinion is on that, but my just opinion is, if you know, that's why I said, you know, I want to be all in because I feel like if you're not all in, you're not giving it your all. And if you're not giving your all to what God has called you to do, you're falling short, in my opinion. And, and that's the truth, because being all in, you're saying, hey, kind of what we're talking about right now in this moment about the walking in the spirit, but it's not just possessing, it's being filled. And right. being all in means you're going to be all in his word. Being all in means you're going to be all in seeking after his face. Um, and I, I think sometimes people forget to realize that God is there for everything. And, you know you're sometimes he might have to do things and uh i'll, I'll give a practical point to this so maybe it'll make more sense sometimes god has to do things in order to show people that he is there mm. and mm-hmm. i'll you know backtrack all the way to the beginning of this podcast almost when mark you asked when we were talking about the ship and it's the most sophisticated ship in the world probably you know and that may make people feel safe if you you know go back 100 years, I think it's 109 years or something to be exact, to the Titanic. The creator of the Titanic and who fabricated and built it, Edward Smith, quote, said, this ship is so sophisticated that God himself cannot sink this ship. And look where the Titanic sits today. 
Yeah, first voyage. Yeah, first voyage. <laughs> Look where it sits today. Sure, it's at I the forgot about it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, he literally said God himself cannot sink this ship and look where it's sitting at. And that was supposed to be the most sophisticated ship on the world yeah. you know, at, at yeah. a time, you know, 1914, I think it was. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that right there just shows God can do anything. Well, the scripture says that man sometimes becomes so wise that we become like fools. Right. And I think what makes us foolish is we say in our heart, a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Or we deny the power of God or the will of God or the ability of God, whatever it might be. And uh, that it, it, a, a true fool, a person who's really foolish, truly foolish, denies exactly what God is capable of doing. Right. And I think, Josh, Adam, what, what we were saying a moment ago is that um, about looking back or looking forward to, to how do we, about the will of God, we have to remember that, that Scripture teaches us that all things work together for the good, for those who love the Lord. So if we love the Lord, no matter what we have done in missing, missing out along the way, if we seek God consistently, follow Him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, if we truly follow God, He's going to take both our mistakes and our and our, our, our abilities and, and, and the things we've gotten right. He's going to take all of this and he's going to in some way mesh it together into his perfect will and he's going to accomplish it. There is that, there is that all-knowing God who, who, who looks down through the, the, the halls of hallways of time and he sees what we would do and what we wouldn't do, when we would mess up and when we wouldn't. And he so perfectly has knitted our life together, not only in our mother's womb, but in our walk. He has knitted our life together to bring good out of everything that happens. And, and I thrive off of that. I thrive off of the fact that, that even, in my, even in my mess ups, even in my sin, if I surrender that to God and follow him, he will take that and bring good out of it. And uh, that, that's his will. His will is to accomplish good through my life. Yeah, I think, you know, as you look at God and how he moves throughout the scriptures and you see different things come about, how he uses, even in John, you know, chapter nine, where there's a blind man and this blind man says, you know, the the surrounding community thinks, well, surely his parents sinned for him to be blind. Hmm. And you think about God says, Jesus looks at him, you know, and, and this is an insane passage. I mean, the parable itself, the blind man says, because the Pharisees are saying, oh, he healed on the Sabbath. The parents are saying, yes, it is our son that's always was blind. And then he looks at the people and he says, I don't know about y'all and I don't know what you're talking about. All I know is I was blind and now I see and what's incredible about God's will in that moment is he goes, this man was born blind, not because of any sin from his parents, but so that he might give glory to God. And for all time, I look at that passage and say, God will take what we think is heartbreak, what we think is maybe a bad omen, what we think is all these things. And God's saying, no, I put it there in this world that you don't even get it. And it's for my glory. Who could have thought that that individual in John chapter 9 
born in that time in the first century would have been used by God in a powerful moment that for all time we will remember and have written down has spoken worlds of faith in the people that God can take my disability, God can take my deficiency, God can take whatever it is. And even in the midst of it, you might say, God, why would you give me this? And there's a perfect picture of how God's will works all things out for good. We can't see it. God displays how he sees it. And the only way you're going to find these things and find joy in the midst of your hardship or the midst of your questions is are you in God's word? Because I wouldn't know anything about what I'm talking about right now if it wasn't for John 9. And so, you know, where are you at today? Is it just off your experience? Or is it off what God is saying, how you should experience him? This is Go and Be the Church podcast. Glad you could join us today to God's will. Pastor Mark, Adam, thank you for joining us. Another good episode. Please give us a review, give us a like, give us a share. It helps us continue to get this word out. We appreciate you. Thank you.